the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T minus three, two, one. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan. Here is the closer, Brad Carlson. AM 1280 The Patriot. It is the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And a very Merry Christmas to you all. Christmas Eve here in the Patriot Bunker. So grateful for you to be with us today. Hope you are enjoying a wonderful holiday with your families. Again, check out my blog, bradcarlson.org, where I am uh, wrapping up the 2017 uh, blogging season as a, well, a personal record for me. My previous uh, record in a year, uh, I've been, I've started, I started bradcarlson.org back in late 2004, and my personal record for a year in blog posts was 282, and I've exceeded that, and I'm going for 300 for 2017. So, got a little bit to go, but wish me luck, wish me luck. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, that just tells you about the year in political news because it's mostly a political blog, but it's Christmas. I'm not here to get political and, uh, I'm here to talk about specifically the, the Christmas season and I, you know, just have a little fun, but we'll certainly wrap up the, uh, the show talking, uh, about the real meaning of Christmas and, and what it means to me personally and, uh, think about what it might uh, mean to you. Because certainly Christmas means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Some people look at it as uh, an opportunity to you know get a break from work and and, and be with family, whereas others uh, look at the Christmas season as as a fond remembrance or recollection of the story of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And others, uh, you know, who don't celebrate Christmas may not be of the Christian faith. Uh, I have, a, in fact, I have a friend of mine who to, who told me, you know, he were he's a f- physician, and he told me he uh, he loved Christmas because he would fill in uh, at the hospital f- uh, the open shifts for his friends who wanted to take off Christmas. Uh, in exchange, you know, he was a big uh, big baseball fan, so he says, "Well, you got to work for me on opening day of." Uh, he was a Red Sox fan. You got to work for me uh, the opening day of Red Sox season. You know, and uh, no, it wasn't King Banyan. I know he's a Red Sox fan. So. <laughs> but uh, so some people look at it uh, a lot differently. And I, I'm going to uh, what I'm going to do here is kind of take a, a, a unique look back at Christmas of my youth and what it meant to me and how it shaped a lot of what I feel about the holiday today. And we'll probably get to that in the next couple of segments. But I, I am I like I say. There's a lot of political news that has gone on this year and, heck, even the past week. But I'm going to eschew all that, not really talk a lot about that. I may interject, you know, political reference here or there. But uh, just to give you a fair warning up front, this show is mostly apolitical. And, hey, it's Christmas Eve. So hopefully if you are taking time 
uh, out from uh, your families, away from your families to, to listen to the program. Well, first of all, thank you. Uh, or you might be listening to the uh, to the podcast later on down the road, and I, we appreciate that as well. But just to let you know up front, this show is going to be largely apolitical, and that's and that's kind of how I uh, like to do it, like say on Christmas Eve. But I got to thinking, you know, uh, I don't I don't sit and watch the the History Channel a whole lot, but occasionally there's some things that that crop up that 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 catch my eye. For instance. There was a, a particular topic they were talking about how the uh, legend of Santa Claus came about. I mean, you, you think about modern day Christmas and people who aren't don't focus on the the birth of Jesus Christ aspect of Christmas. They look at it as you know this jolly old fat man bringing toys to the kids, and uh, uh, you know you. And by the way, did you, John, did your household ever leave out milk and cookies for St. Nick? Yes, we you, actually did. Do you still do it? <laughs> no, okay. I don't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we do it. Uh, so I, I remember that vividly. And uh, and I never really thought about, you know, what was the origin of St. Nick or how did he come about or how in the world does he get to millions upon millions of houses across the country you know, in, in such a short amount of time. These are the things I thought about, but I didn't really dwell on it because who cares? Look, there's a gift from Santa Claus. I'm fired up, right? So, uh, but then as I got older, I'm wondering about, you know, what, how did this get, how did it really get started? I mean, the uh, the legend of St. Nicholas, I guess you could say. And History Channel had an interesting story on that, is the legend of Santa Claus that can actually be tracked back or traced back a hundred years, hundreds of years to a monk named St. Nicholas. True story. It is believed that Nicholas was born sometime around 280 AD in Patara near Myra in modern-day Turkey. Now, much admired for his piety and kindness, St. Nicholas became the subject of many legends. It is said that he gave away all of his inherited wealth and traveled the countryside helping the poor and sick. One of the best known of the St. Nicholas stories is that he saved three poor sisters from being sold into slavery or prostitution by their father, by providing them with a dowry so that they could be married. Over the course of many years, Nicholas's popularity spread, and he became known as the protector of children and sailors. His feast day is celebrated on the anniversary of his death, December 6th. Now, this was traditionally considered a lucky day to make large purchases or to get married. Uh, so is that the equivalent of their Black Friday? That seems a little later than the day after Thanksgiving. I don't know. It's it's amazing how the, the parallels kind of come together here. But anyways, <clears throat> this was traditionally considered a lucky day to make large purchases or to get married. Uh, by the Renaissance, St. Nicholas was the most popular saint in Europe. Even after the Protestant Reformation, when the veneration of saints began to be discouraged, St. Nicholas maintained a positive reputation, especially in Holland. So, well, you know, uh, interesting perspective there. I don't know that that would have been all that interesting to me as a as a younger person had that had that been had that subject been broached but you know hey it, it, it the the parallels are interesting because you and and again I don't know if this was deliberate that they chose St. Nicholas to kind of be the symbol of Christmas knowing originally that we celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus Christ later in the year you know when they talk about St. Nicholas's everything that he's done for the poor and how he was willing to well, just just help people the way Jesus is willing to deliver us from a life of hopelessness and peril. You know, are they drawing these parallels? I, I, 
you know, I don't know. But anyways, uh, then there is a uh, uh, St. Nicholas made his first inroads into American popular culture towards the end of the 18th century. Now, in December 1773 and again in 1774, a New York newspaper reported that groups of Dutch families had gathered to honor the anniversary of his death. The name Santa Claus evolved from Nick's Dutch nickname, Sinterklaas. Am I saying that right? Sinterklaas? I, I don't speak good Dutch. What we'll have I to do? talk to Mitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mitch's kind of a, uh, he's a jack of all trades when it comes to language and literacy, that is for certain. So, Sinterklaas, a shortened form of Sint Nicholas, Dutch for St. Nicholas. In 1804, John Pintard, a, mom, a member of the New York Historical Society, distributed woodcuts of St. Nicholas at the Society's annual meeting. The background of the engraving contains now-familiar Santa images, including stockings filled with toys and fruit hung over a fireplace. In 1809, Washington Irving helped to popularize the Sinterklaas stories when he referred to St. Nicholas as the patron saint of New York in his book, The History of New York. As his prominence grew, Sinterklaas was described as everything from a rascal with a blue three-cornered hat, red waistcoat, and yellow stockings to a man wearing a broad-brimmed hat and a pair of Flemish trunk hose. So, uh, interesting. I never knew any of this until, uh, interesting, the things you uh, you see and, and are conveyed on the History Channel, that is for certain. So then, of course, the natural reaction is, and what's with all these different Santa Clauses showing up at shopping malls? Well, would you? Would, what do you know? They happen to address that very thing as well. Gift giving, mainly se- uh, centered around children, has been an important part of the Christmas celebration since the holiday's rejuvenation in the early 19th century. Stores began to advertise Christmas shopping in 1820, and by the 1840s, newspapers were creating separate sections for holiday advertisements, which often featured images of the newly popular Santa Claus. In 1841, thousands of children visited a Philadelphia shop to see a life-size Santa Claus model. As a matter of fact, folks, if you're if you're a Facebook friend of mine, uh, my profile pic is me uh, sitting with Santa Claus, I think when I was about six and a half years old. And of course, the first thing people remark is, holy cow, you had hair. It's like, well, yeah, I wasn't, uh, you know, well, I was born without hair, but I did, yeah, I did what one time have a full head of hair. So that, that seems odd that that's the first thing people notice, but <clears throat> your mileage may vary. So anyways, in 1841, thousands of children visited a Philadelphia shop to see a life-size Santa Claus model. It was only a matter of time before stores began to attract children and their parents with the lure of a peek at a live Santa Claus. In the early 1890s, the Salvation Army needed money to pay for free Christmas meals they provided to needy families. They began dressing up unemployed men in Santa Claus suits and sending them into the streets of New York to solicit donations. Now, I don't say this to to be jocular or mean or condescending. I, I, I say it in all sincerity because I saw a homeless person off the ramp off of Cliff Road out here near the station. Uh, maybe that's an idea. You know, put on. I, I'm serious. Put on a Santa Claus suit, solicit donations because you know they're 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 asking for you know a few funds here. I, maybe we can maybe we can resurrect that, or maybe that's still be doing being done in New York. I have no idea. Huh? Interesting. Uh, those familiar with Salvation Army Santas have been ringing bells on the street corners of America ever since. That is that is another familiar Christmas tradition. Whenever you're out and about shopping, you always hear those bells off in the distance. And so you know right away that, that it almost becomes just 
background noise. It's just like you'd notice it if it weren't happening, I guess you could say. It's say it's almost too quiet. Something's missing. But because those bells are a familiar part of uh, of people's shopping traditions and Christmas traditions. Uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Although, do you have the bells that they would ring next to a red kettle? That sounds more like a... What do you call it? One of those tambourines or whatever. I'll look for that. <laughs> okay. Appreciate it. Hey, folks, uh, glad you could join us today on uh, Christmas Eve. Or if you're listening to this podcast after spending a wonderful Christmas holiday with your family, we appreciate that as well. I'm going to be playing my favorite uh, bumper tunes, my favorite uh, Christmas songs throughout the show. So enjoy. This is Harry Connick Jr.'s version of Sleigh Ride right here on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring, ting, tingling, too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Hey, welcome back. AM 1280 The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Yes, indeed, it is a Christmas Eve broadcast. Let your heart be light. Thanks for tuning in. I don't know why, but Vince Gill's version of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is probably my favorite version, hence why it's one of my bumpers. And by the way, I can't give a... Thanks enough to uh, the what does Mitch call you the conciliary John conciliary Bird? yeah yes. okay John don't uh, no relation to Mitch Bird <laughs> glad to be in here on the holiday with you Brad yeah appreciate it. appreciate anything it. for the closer right uh, I appreciate that yeah <laughs> now on the on the occasions I do fill in for Mitch John is quick with some of the audio the relevant audio like one time I was talking about Hillary and he came up with some Hillary screed I'm like that's perfect. <laughs> So I'm glad we got a board up that thinks quicker on his feet than I do, which is damnation with faint praise. But uh, <laughs> but no, John's good. We appreciate it, John. Appreciate your time. And, and Merry Christmas to you and your family, by the way, sir. Merry Christmas to you, Brad. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, like I said, I want to take the next couple segments. Uh, you know, a kid at Christmas time, you know, there, there's a reason it's a, it's a saying, you know, oh, boy, he was excited like a kid on Christmas. Because, you know, that is a genuinely heartwarming and exciting time for a kid. The anticipation that presents are going to be there. They can't sleep the night before. And, you know, they get up early. I mean, I remember my brother and I, we'd get up at like six o'clock in the morning and we knew darn well that my mom and my, you know, we usually went to my grandmother's house for Christmas and we knew darn well my mom and my grandmother wouldn't be getting up until probably seven thirty, eight o'clock at the earliest. So it's like, okay, we look at the TV guy and say, okay, we'll watch this show for an hour and this show for an hour. That'll kill two hours. And by the time those shows are done, then that means mom and grandma will be up and we can open Christmas presents. I mean, all the anticipation was just, uh, oh, it, it was palatable. No question about it. But what I do remember is back in the day, I'm old enough to remember when watch when TV was like, watch sitting down around the TV was like an event. I mean, people have changed the way they watch TV now with, with like Netflix and on demand and whatever. You can watch pretty much whatever show whenever you like. So the fact that a show is scheduled at a certain time, you don't have to plan your life around it anymore. But I remember back in the, you know, when I was growing up, my formative years in the 70s and 80s, when television was like an event. Like you always saw a week ahead of time, the Charlie Brown Christmas special coming up on CBS next week. Of this day. It's like, oh, you know, you had to mark it down in the calendar to be sure you don't miss it and be sure to clear your schedule. And if we have to go to the grocery store, be sure we're home in time for it. I mean, that's what I remember about it. And so what I'm doing here the next couple of segments 
is like my top favorite Christmas TV specials. I mean, everybody does it like a top 10 favorite Christmas songs or top 10 favorite Christmas movies. And people always throw in Die Hard as a Christmas movie, which I, I'm so sick of that, that, that argument. Oh, is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not? I don't care. I don't care. So, but instead of Christmas songs or Christmas movies, I'm going to count down my top five favorite TV specials. You know, whether it's like a half hour or hour, and just kind of uh, a retrospective from there. Now, did, did, there was a there was one. It was called "The Year Without a Santa Claus." You remember that one? It's in the mid '70s. John, I know you're quite a bit younger than me, so these are probably a lot of these you may not remember when they originally came out. That one does not ring a bell. But it was a it was a story about Santa Claus. One year he uh, had a really really bad cold, and so therefore there was concern that they were going to have to cancel Christmas. And so Mrs. Claus and everybody else decided to try to figure out uh, what they could do. Mrs. Claus and the elves they were they were going to try to desperately figure out a way to change his mind. Say, you know, come on, you're without a Christmas. Are you kidding? Kids are kids are counting on you, Mr. Claus. And, and this may this came out, I think, in the early to mid 1970s. Mickey Rooney was the voice of uh, Santa Claus. So, anyways, uh, it's it's just one I stand out remembering because it's like, as a kid, you're like, wait a minute, there there, it's possible that Santa Claus has actually considered <laughs> canceling Christmas. Is it? Is it you know, and again, as a kid, you watch this and you wonder about the plausibility of it. You understand that it's a movie, it's a TV special, but because Santa Claus is a part of your life when you're a six, seven, eight-year-old kid, however old I was, it's like, wait a minute, that's possible that he could possibly think of staying up in the North Pole during Christmas because he's got a bad cold? And, it, and this is kind of told from the perspective of Mrs. Claus, that you know Santa had a bad cold and decided to take a vacation from Christmas and uh, the two elves were named Jingle Bells and Jangle Bells. That was the two elves that were kind of going to help Mrs. Claus to try to help convince Santa Claus that, hey, he needs to get get out there and do his Christmas duties, I guess you will. So I don't remember the viv- vividly a lot of the details and the plot about it, but I do remember kind of being taken aback that, wow, the possibility that Christmas could even be canceled, could be canceled because... Santa Claus isn't feeling well. I mean, it makes kids want to send him, oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't think kids were aware of what care packages entailed, but if you sent Santa a care package, maybe with some like Luden's cough drops or or something or cold medicine or something like that. But uh, uh, So that was uh, my number five favorite TV special growing up. It, it was a show entitled, and I don't even know if they played anymore, uh, The Year Without a Santa Claus. I mean, they still play a lot of the classics like Rudolph, Red-Nosed Reindeer, uh, the Grinch Who Stole Christmas. In fact, that was on just uh, about a week or two ago. Uh, classic, classic Christmas uh, TV special. So that's number five on my list. Number four, of course, there is Frosty the Snowman. That was the uh, animated version. And uh, it was, I think it was, uh, here, uh, I'll bring it up real quick. Was it Jimmy Durante? Yes, it was Jimmy Durante who sang Frosty the Snowman. Jimmy Durante is a classic actor known for this this big schnoz. So if you do a, a Google search by him, you know, and he's, I don't want to try to sing it because Jimmy Durante wasn't the greatest singer, but even me emulating Jimmy Durante would sound bad. You know, Frosty the Snowman. Yeah, he had that kind of very unique voice and was narrating 
this particular tale. And of course, it was about a snowman who uh, there was a hat. These kids were playing, and all of a sudden, this hat, this like magician's hat, blew into the scene. And they said, "Oh, look at this! He's got his corncob pipe. He's got his coals for his eyes and his button nose, and you know, two eyes made out of coal. You know the song, right?" So they put this hat on Frosty, and he comes to life. And he says, "You know, of course, uh, the uh, with the voice of Jackie Vernon, happy birthday!" And all of a sudden, the snowman comes to life. Well, uh, I guess global warming was a thing back then. Because the concern with Frosty was that the climate was too warm for him. They had to get him back to the North Pole. So even in 1969, when Frosty the Snowman came out, they uh, they were concerned about global warming, apparently. Happy birthday! There you go. See, what did I tell you? The snowman was a jolly happy soul. With a corncob pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of... I'm glad I don't have the video on. Because the way I'm swaying to this song, it's just... So no, it's unsightly. They've got the cartoon Jimmy Durante here with the big schnoz. They, get, they nailed it, yeah. So, <laughs> I love it. I feel like I'm about eight years old again. Of course, some people may say that I'm perpetually eight years old, but that's another story entirely. So I remember this because... The uh, the hat that Frosty had it was actually belonged to a uh, uh, I guess they a, they describe him as a greedy magician and he wanted his hat back and uh, he would do anything to get the hat back and then at one point uh, he trapped Frosty and uh, I forget his uh, his sidekick's name uh, I think it was uh, Karen yeah Karen was a little girl's name his friend. And he locked him in like this greenhouse. And of course, it got too warm in there, and Frosty ended up melting, and there was nothing left but the corncob pipe and the button nose and the two pieces of coal in the hat. And he went to get the hat back. And uh, so, and then the greedy magician ended up being scolded by uh, Santa Claus, saying, Hey, give him his hat back so he can come back to life and then get him back up to the North Pole where it's a colder climate because, of course, the U.S. is uh, suffering from global. No, they didn't say that. They didn't say that. I promise not to get political and look at me. Look at me. Uh, can't even take a break on Christmas Eve. What's wrong with me? So there you have it. Frosty the Snowman, my fourth favorite TV special growing up as a kid. Number three is uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And, of course, everybody knows the song uh, of all the uh, of the eight reindeer. Well, uh, apparently, I think, obviously, the song came first, and then they ended up doing a TV special about it where Rudolph wasn't because of his... Uh, idiosyncrasy, his little red nose. In fact, Fraser Crane probably breaks it down best than uh, than I ever could, talking about the story of Rudolph. Uh, do we have that? Yeah, there we go. Remember Fraser oh, Crane? Oh, look at that. Nice Rudolph. I made him myself. No kidding. You know, uh, Rudolph is my favorite guy in the Christmas songs. Yeah. You know, apparently then, what are you unaware that the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is one of the most unrealistic and therefore potentially damaging in all of children's music? Gives them a horribly distorted view of reality. Yeah, but you got to admit, it's easy to whistle. No. That's true. Look, I'm serious. No, first the other reindeer tease and then ostracize him, and then when his abnormality proves of service, they use him. <laughs> but then, do they allow him to play in their stupid reindeer game? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, no, 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 no. That's how the song goes. In fact, not only do Donner Blitz and Et Al not love him and laugh out with glee, but they doubly despise the bulbous nosed little whip. Well, I gotta be off. Happy holidays.
All I can all I can say is I'm glad Fraser Crane wasn't around when I was like eight years old. That would have devastated me to have that perspective. I thought because you know as a kid, you know as a, being a smaller kid and was sought out to be picked on and, and bullied. You, you you fantasize about having a gift like Rudolph that could be of service to others, so they kind of let you in on their inner circle, right? And so for Fraser Crane to completely blow that up like that, oh, all I can say is I'm just glad he wasn't around when I was like uh, nine, ten years old. That's all I could say. But yeah, that that one was fun, is because uh, Santa Claus figured out his own issue. He's like, I don't know how we're going to get through this fog. I don't know, Ru- Rudolph, come on, you know, uh, turn to, uh, turn down the brightness on that nose there. Wait. Wait a minute. I think we can use that. Right? Huh? So uh, that story obviously resonates uh, as a kid. And I think it has an overarching meaning, too. I don't want to get too deep into it because, I mean, it's a kid's TV special. But it just goes to show that uh, no matter how you feel about yourself or how low your self-image is about, you have something to offer to other people that could be surface. So I enjoy the Christmas message of it. What can I tell you? I'm an old sap. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. Hey, it's me, Brad Carlson. Thank you for tuning in on this Christmas Eve edition of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back in mere moments. Welcome back, AM 1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. With me, Brad Carlson, it's Christmas Eve. I feel like a Christmas DJ just going to play Christmas songs this whole show. This is the Wilson sisters, Carney and Wendy. Sans China Phillips, their uh, Wilson Phillips bandmate. I guess she's not good enough to sing Christmas songs. Why has it got to be like that? Wow. This is definitely a staple in the Carlson household, uh, the Wendy and uh, Carney Wilson Christmas CD. This is an original song of theirs, but they cover a lot of your favorite Christmas tunes like Let It Snow. And I think they cover the little drummer boy. Anyways, hey, glad you could join us on this uh, Christmas Eve. We very appreciate it very much. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and yours. And if you're not listening to this live but listening to the podcast, that's, hey, that's perfectly okay. We hope you took time to uh, enjoy uh, the time with your family. Uh, Christmas Eve, falling on a Sunday, we know there are more important pressing things to do, like uh, going to church, enjoying a Christmas service, Christmas Eve dinner, what have you. But, hey, we appreciate you tuning in. I'm talking a lot of uh, Christmas traditions here on the show today. And uh, what I'm covering now is my top five TV specials growing up. Uh, Now, as I was talking about last segment, back when watching TV was an event, when a special episode of a TV show was coming on, they would tease it for sometimes two weeks ahead of time. Hey, be sure to tune in in two weeks on uh, uh, CBS for the Charlie Brown Christmas special or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or whatever, and you would mark it on your calendar and you would be sure there were no events taking place, and if you had to do something that day, you would be sure you were home in time uh, to catch that particular TV special. And that's what my TV viewing experience was like. And now, you know, again, it's all different with, with Netflix and on demand. Like I was saying before, people can just watch whatever, whenever. 
you know, and of course DVR, if there's a show that's regularly scheduled and you just want to DVR it and watch it later, that's perfectly fine too. But I remember when these TV specials were a big deal. So I'm kind of counting down my five favorites. You know, everybody has a top 10 or top five list of favorite Christmas songs or Christmas movies. I'm focusing on the TV specials. You know, the big event where you sat around with your family and, and you know, don't try to make too much noise until the commercial, you know. Uh, and if you got uh, if you got uh, something you want to talk about, I would always uh, take the time to maybe jot down something. I, yeah, it was it was a, I was into it. It was a big deal. So uh, we went through the first three. Uh, number five, the year without a Santa Claus. Number four, Frosty the Snowman. Number three, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. And my second favorite TV special of all time, of course, is based on the Dr. Seuss book, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. I mean, and and what was even more intriguing is it was uh, the Grinch was voiced by Boris Karloff. You remember Boris Karloff from the old school horror movies back, what was that, 30s, 40s, I think, maybe even 50s. Who who knows? But uh, I, I wasn't that familiar with Boris Karloff until later on when I watched old movies. But uh, the Grinch, of course, this was uh, he lives in a cave atop Mount Crumpet located above the village of Whoville. Uh, and the Grinch, of course, is a surly character with a heart uh, two sizes too small who has especially hated Christmas for 53 years. So for some reason, year 54, something just set him off. And he was going to – and I don't think he ever uttered the uh, the phrase bah humbug. I know that was more the Ebenezer Scrooge lore. But he finally became fed up with seeing the decorations and hearing all the music and caroling in the villages and wishes he could stop Christmas Day from coming to Whoville. So when he sees his dog, Max, with snow all over his face in the shape of a beard, he decides to disguise himself as Santa Claus and steal Christmas. So the Grinch makes himself a uh, Santa coat and disguises the innocent Max as a reindeer. So And then he loads empty bags onto a sleigh, travels to Whoville with some difficulty. And in the first house, you remember this, he was almost caught by Cindy Lou Who, uh, a small girl who wakes up and sees him taking the Christmas tree. Now, pretending to be Santa, the Grinch tells Cindy Lou that he is merely taking the tree to his workshop for repairs, and then he gets her a drink before sending her back to bed. Now, I remember this part as a kid, seeing you know the way they made this Cindy this little pixie. Basically, it's like how could someone with this adorable little girl in her just kind little voice asking you know this Santa like you know this guy dis- disguised in a Santa suit. You know, why? What are you doing? Why are you taking our tree? How your heart couldn't melt. I mean, me, even as a nine, 10 year old kid, it's like, oh my gosh, how do you, how do you still perpetrate this act despite this, uh, this adorable little girl and her little pixie voice asking you what you're doing? You know, how do you not feel a pang of, of conscience? But again, remember his heart was two sizes too small. So that, that's kind of how that worked. So the Grinch proceeds to empty the first house of all the food and Christmas-related items, namely presents, trees, mistletoes, and even stockings on the chimney, and then repeats the process at other houses in Whoville while also taking village decorations. Of course, the image that's in my mind of all these bags full of stuff coming flying out of the chimney and onto the roof. And, of course, my practical mind is how in the world is one little dog going to be able to haul a sleigh full of all of these bags of toys and decorations back up to the top of the hill or the top of the mountain? It just didn't make any sense. So uh, with the Who's stolen Christmas goods, the Grinch and Max travel back up Mount Crumpet 
Before dropping the loaded sleigh off the mountain, the Grinch waits to hear a sad cry from the Who's. I mean, this is the defining moment, right? This is where he's going to hear these shrieks of horror like, oh, my, what happened to our Christmas? Everything that we that we plan, you know, the food, the gifts that we're going to give to our loved ones are all gone. And this is the penultimate moment. He's waiting for them to express their dismay. But then, of course, the defining moment, he doesn't hear the sad cries, but rather he hears the Who's joyously begin to sing Christmas carols, providing that spirit of Christmas does not depend on material things. And, you know, again, you, as a kid, you don't really look at the deeper meaning of Christmas. You're like, yeah, this is great. Where are my gifts, right? Or you look longingly under the tree and you count down the days or maybe even the hours until you can start opening those gifts and you speculate as to what you might have received, you know, because you know what you put on your list and, you know, what did you actually get, right? And that that message really resonated with me. It's like, look, it's more about gifts. I mean, these who's, are they're, they're happy because... You know, they have each other and they can celebrate their time together and there's actually deeper meaning to it. And, you know, as a kid, I didn't think of any of that. But as I got older, I didn't necessarily sit and watch these Christmas specials. But as I was flipping around and they came on and you hear this music, it's like, wow, this brings back memories of when I was a kid. And then you just sat and watched it for a few minutes and then you realize, oh, my goodness, they're trying to send a deeper message at that point in time. You know, and not only was it an animated feature for kids, you know, because it's a doc- based on the Dr. Seuss book, but it's it's sending an overarching message that if the kids don't understand it when they're five or six or seven, hey, give them time. Maybe one day they will. Maybe they'll start to ask their parents questions. And it's like, why? Why are the who's rejoicing? Be, you know, even though they're all their gifts are stolen and it's a and it, it maybe provided a great opportunity for parents to explain the real meaning. And maybe I'm looking too deep into that. I don't know. But that's something that stood out to me. And that's why. The Grinch Who Stole Christmas is my number two all-time favorite Christmas special. And, of course, number one, I was a big fan of any of the Charlie Brown specials, whether you know they, it, uh, whether it's a Halloween special called The Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown or it's a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Remember the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving where they didn't make turkey, but rather they made toast and popcorn and jelly beans? And as a kid, you're like, that looks like a great Thanksgiving meal, right? Well, of course, it is a Charlie Brown Christmas. That is my number one all-time favorite TV special growing up, you know, when it comes to Christmas traditions. And that one, again, like The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, it sought to kind of give you a, a broader message about what Christmas is all about. You know, because Charlie Brown, he starts out pretty much from the get-go. You know, he's he's looking for all of those for lack of a better word, superficial things about Christmas that he so enjoys, you know, getting a Christmas present or, or a Christmas card. You know, he looks in his, he looks in his mailbox and he says, hello, 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 hello. You know, it's an echo into the mailbox because there's nothing in there and he didn't get a Christmas card like he had hoped. And he comes across, I think it was his friend Violet who was looking at her Christmas card. And he sarcastically says, oh, thanks for the Christmas card, Violet. I really enjoyed it. And she says something along the lines, "What do you mean, Charlie Brown? I didn't send you a I didn't send you a Christmas card." And she says, "Doesn't anybody understand sarcasm around here?" You know, he's trying to find the meaning of Christmas because he he sees all of these other people happy and rejoicing around him. And he's he flat out says, "You know, I I feel depressed. I don't feel joy. 
I don't feel happiness around the Christmas holiday. To me, it's just more of an accentuation of my everyday life because, you know, Charlie Brown was the kid who nobody liked and nobody wanted to be around. He was kind of had that, uh, had that aura about him. And he says, Christmas is just a bigger reminder of that. And of course, remember, remember Lucy had her psychiatric booth. Were you a fan of the peanuts gang, uh, John Berg? I, don't I, know. I, I remember it vaguely, but no, I was never that into okay, it. Okay. Yeah. I'm old. What can I tell you? So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the Lucy had her you know psychiatric booth, and you know she you know the doctor is in, and you had to put a nickel into the little can to get kind of life advice. And uh, you know Charlie Brown was expressing his dismay that you know he's he's depressed, and you know he sees Christmas as little more than overwhelming materialism that he's seeing among everyone during the Christmas season. And so Lucy, in dispensing her psychiatric advice, says, "Well, you know." You you could maybe help out with a school Christmas pageant, you know, the school Christmas play. They need help there. That'll make you feel better about yourself because you're bringing genuine joy to others by putting on this Christmas play, and you can feel good about it too. And he's like, oh, okay. And he just finds himself even more frustrated. He just kind of afterwards just kind of throws up his hands and says, I, I don't understand this. This isn't anything like I expected it to be. I mean, does, does anybody know? What, what Christmas is all about. I mean, finally, he expressed his dismay in front of the right person, his pal Linus, Lucy's brother, right? He finally says, does anybody know what the meaning of Christmas is? And Linus was almost had this mindset of, oh, but that's all you wanted to know? And again, I didn't understand it back then as a kid, but as I became older and, and eventually uh, became part of the Christian faith at age 16, I started to see a lot of these things in a little different light. And Linus, in probably in a fashion that, I don't know, wouldn't be politically correct in television today, uh, shares his real meaning of what Christmas is Isn't all about. Is there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Why didn't you ask sooner, Charlie Brown, right? <laughs> Linus gets up in the middle of the stage, spotlight upon him. Lights, and- please. There you go. Calls for the lights. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Amen. Thank you, Linus. There you go. That, 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 and again, as a youngster, seeing that, and it's just like, yeah, that's great. When are they going to get on to moving, decorating the Christmas tree, right? But again, it, it it's something that is timeless, and it's for everybody. Because for the kids, they like seeing the animation. They like seeing the Charlie Brown gang, the Peanuts gang interact. But then as you get older and 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 you realize, hey, there is a there is a message here. Charlie Brown is frustrated and depressed, and by the commercial commercialization, that's a word of of Christmas, and 
finally someone gives him an answer. Well, there is more to it, Charlie Brown. Here's why you're feeling so down downtrodden is you're focusing on the wrong things. It's not so much what you receive, although that is a that is a wonderful thing. That is something for which to be thankful, but it's more of what you've already received and what is in your everyday life. And that is, of course, is is a Savior's born, Jesus Christ being your Lord and Savior. So wonderful message, and of course, my favorite all-time TV special, A Charlie Brown Christmas. I'm sure it's playing on your local listings. Check your local listings, I guess, as they used to say. Hey, one final segment on this Christmas Eve edition of the Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carls. Thank you for tuning in today. Merry Christmas to you and yours. We'll wrap it up here in mere moments. Go nowhere. Snipping at your nose Yuletide carols Being sung by choir and folks dressed up like Eskimos. Hey kids, you know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen, but do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Yeah! Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer! Had a very shiny nose. Hey, welcome back, Game 12 the Patriot. You would even say it glows. Northern Alliance Radio Network. It is me, Brad Carlson, on a Christmas Eve. Thank you for tuning in. Again, feel free to check out my blog, uh, bradcarlson.org. As I wrap up the 2017 year blogging, mostly about politics, but I'm proud of myself. I didn't think I'd be able to do it, but I've stayed mostly clear of politics on today's show, other than the uh, obligatory dig at global warming. But anyways, and yes, Harry Connick Jr., uh, the Harry Connick Jr. Christmas CD is a staple in my household. His version of Sleigh Ride, his version of uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, a couple of my favorites, versions of those classic songs. Got about four minutes left, so we'll uh, wrap up this Christmas Eve broadcast, and you've been listening live. Thank you, and a Merry Christmas to you and your family. And I will be live next Sunday, December 31st, which is Christmas Eve. I, I actually have a work flight. Uh, I'm traveling for work uh, later this week, uh, heading out to our facility in uh, L.A. And uh, I'm supposed to be back early, uh, Saturday afternoon. So I plan on being in the studio live on New Year's Eve, and we'll probably do eh, you know, kind of a look back at the year 2017. It's amazing. We thought 2016 couldn't get any more bizarre and surreal but yet 2017 somehow, someway <laughs> managed to top it. But again, we'll save it for the year-end show, that is for sure. Again, three and a half minutes to go here uh, on the broadcast. And like I was talking about throughout most of the show, Christmas traditions and you know everybody has them. Getting together with family, having a nice meal, enjoying each other's company, hopefully staying free of politics. You know, that's, that's another thing that's become a... a very annoyingly prevalent in today's society, particularly like these left-wing sites, like how to deal with your uh, obligatory Trump-supporting relative or obligatory conservative relative on the issue of, I mean, take your pick of any pet leftist causes, you know, global warming, gun control, pro-choice, whatever. And it's like, goodness sakes, are you trying to foster division at people's Christmas gatherings? I mean, knock it off, please. And because... Chris, we usually have Thanksgiving at my house and Christmas Eve at our house. I'm able to kind of uh, control the flow of those topics. 
Uh, but, you know, typically go Christmas Day at my mom's house and, uh, you know, we have to try to kind of rein ourselves in a little bit. But really, all of this, it can, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not the case in all all situations, but it can take away from the real meaning of Christmas. And of course, uh, the uh, verse of scripture that uh, I'd like to read, Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 through 25, of course, Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament, uh, 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. When Jesus awoke, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So folks, that's uh, really what I, how I view Christmas today. And as I've gotten older and uh, obviously have grown in my Christian faith over these uh, many 30 years, yeah, it's it's those traditions are are wonderful to have, and you should continue to have them. Be with your loved ones, enjoy some time where you can relax and just enjoy life and enjoy family without having to worry about the hustle and bustle in everyday life. But of course, as this reminds us, Jesus is the reason for the season. Ladies and gentlemen, Merry Christmas to you all. Thank you for joining us on this Christmas Eve show. John Berg, appreciate your assistance today, as always. Thank you, Brad. Always enjoy working with you. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Merry Christmas to you and yours as well. And folks, we'll catch you next week right here on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Godspeed, my friends. Have a blessed holiday season. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.